0: What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I and Pits podcast. Very excited about this guest today. Y'all have heard me say time and time again, some of my favorite people to have on the show and just some of my favorite people in general are people that are not from America because I have said it time and time again. When you are born into a life of luxury, you take it for granted. Most of us in America, man, we are born into freedom, prosperity, and so much. I mean, Americans, man, we are in the top percentage of the in, in the world of wealth. I mean, even our poor people here in America are fat. Like I say we do well here in America. We do pretty good, man. But for some odd reason, we take it for granted. And we're trying to get rid of this wonderful country that we have in exchange for socialism and communism. But as I was saying, man, when you have somebody that's not from here, they love and cherish this place more than the people that are born into America. And t- today I have with me one of those individuals. His name is Jonathan Dunn, and I probably said that wrong, but <laughs> he is nailed it. <laughs> Welcome on board, man! Ah, uh, thanks so much for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for your time, man. You kind of you're kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know. I mean, my man's been on the blaze the blaze network Net- network for what eight years. Yeah, Blaze Media now it changed so we oh, merged with So yeah, so it's Blaze Media now. We're all we're all getting bigger and better. So man, that is phenomenal. And tell the people where you are from originally. So the uh, don't let the Oklahoma accent fool you. That's where I live now.
1: I'm I'm from uh, Ireland. So uh, I moved here last year. <laughs> Wanted to move here for 18 long years. It's very very hard to do things the right way and the legal way um many heartbreaks along the journey but finally now that i'm here i'm i ain't ever leaving y'all are stuck with me awesome now did you get your citizenship oh no i i i have i'm going through the process now of becoming a, a legal permanent resident and um, it's a very, it takes long to do it anyway, but, um, I started this process last year and I still haven't gone, got it done because COVID delayed things. And now with the Ukraine war, all Ukrainian visas are pressing over everyone else. So it's taken a lot longer than normal. Um, so, but I'll have my legal permanent residence soon, please God. And then five years from then, I can apply for citizenship and it'll be literally day five, year five, day one, I'm applying because I can't wait to be an American. I can't wait to hold an american passport for me the highest aspiration of anyone can hold in earthly terms obviously i'm a christian godly and christian terms are different but in earthly terms is to be an american citizen because you guys changed the world and to be part of this great experiment is worth it
0: my lord man that is that is awesome that is powerful i just like to thank you for not coming across the southern border i appreciate yep. you trying to do things the right way brother because i know it's hard like i say i worked i was in the border patrol for a year and I see the process, and it's difficult. it is not easy and so, mm-hmm. for anyone who want to come here and do it the right way, I have the utmost respect for you because I know it's expensive and it's timely you mm-hmm. know but i'm I'm pretty sure man you you don't look like a guy that would want to be down at the border in one of them camps no <laughs> but also thank you for.
1: But thank you for what you do as well, um, and thank you, thank you for your years' service and all the brothers that you did it down there with. Because you know it's so sad. I don't, you know, I don't know how much you want to talk politics. I'm not really a politics guy, but I see the way your border patrol have been treated under this administration, and you know that they're you know, obviously that case where apparently they whipped a load of immigrants, a oh, whole Lord. lies, yeah. and then yes. it, it's it was found out to be a lie, and they're still getting punished anyway. <laughs> You know, the, the people on the border that people don't realize. I don't. Most people have an opinion on the border. Have never been there. Like you know, I hear all these people say, "Well, you know, we're only acting out of love," or you know, we just want to be a compassionate country by letting them in. If you go down to that border in the summer, I'm sorry, crossing that border in the in the dead mm. heat of Texas summer is not compassionate. Not doing at all. It in, doing it in the depths of winter when it's freezing cold and under like freezing, that's not compassion. You know, and I'm, I'm so tired of the lies and the propaganda on that issue. So you guys go down there, you know, it's so frustrating because obviously you love your country. You want to protect your country, but it's hard not to do that job and have feel sorry for, you know, when you come up against the cartels, when you come up against MS 13, when you obviously the safety, but then also when you see these kids alone when you see mothers having to do this journey sometimes they're pregnant it takes a lot out of you emotionally so i just wanted to say thank you for what you've done and and thank you for what you're continuing to do with this show and other work
0: man uh, yeah man like i said it's my honor and pleasure to have you here brother and like you said i don't i'm not a political show but i do talk politics show, but more so about politicians you know i remember yeah. when the whole uh the the agent whipping people down on the border you know with the reins i was like that's and then you had maxine waters over there they're trying to whip us and take us back into slavery. And I was like, these are the people that are sub- quote unquote leading America, you know, and it it disgusts yeah. me every time, you know, she's the same one telling people get confrontational, get in their face, literally, you know, inciting people to go get confrontational with people and get violent. But yet, yeah, you know, they want to hold Donald Trump accountable for all this stuff, but nobody else. And that's why I was like, you know, I, I, the more I've grown in, uh, just over the years, the more I see that. Left versus right, you know, at the end of the day, pretty much it's it's all the same people at the end of the day, man. Yeah. And, and, and it disgusts me. But, man, before we mm-hmm. get off on that, man, I want to get more into your upbringing. So where were you born in Ireland?
1: So I was born in Dublin. Um, That's the that's the capital, the big city. Um, then when I was sort of a young kid, I went down to a couple of states down south to a place called Wexford. It was a country. <laughs> I'm a country boy. I, I prefer the country than the city. Um, city is just where you have to live for jobs and stuff. But, you know, I love the country. I love the open spaces. I, I just love the, you know, the different type of lifestyle. Um, and just growing up there, I just, I was very lucky. Um, I can never find the exact age I was, but I was about seven or eight. Um, I got to go to Clearwater, Florida my oh. granny's yeah that's how that's where my love affair with america started so um okay it's a long story but i'll shorten it down basically my mother's sorry my granny's on my mother's side um, family immigrated to america you know to back in the early 1900s to get the american dream because there was no opportunities in ireland and my granny's sister's husband had parkinson's so my my, my granny wanted to go see her and obviously she's older she's a grandmother know she's not making that trip alone and in the 90s like it was a big deal like to go to england for an irish person let alone america that's like that's like the forbidden fruit or like no one ever (laughs) gets to go to america right and because planes weren't like a common thing you know like it was the rich who traveled not like just average people like me and my family um but anyway my uh my granny wanted to go and went in through my granny wanted to go her sister to my granny my parents and me getting to go on a vacation to go see her sister and we went to clearwater florida and I just fell in love with your people. I fell in love with the heritage. Fell in love with the culture, and um, just was just like this is the place I want to be. That you're just your people are what really fell me, made me fall in love first because it, it's something I can't say to an American that they get. That, but your people are generally more optimistic. There's this can-do attitude in America. That and I always tell the story because I'm a storyteller. I always like this story can only happen in America. It's 1963. Your president's JFK, and he gets behind a podium and says, "What." By the end of this decade, we're going to the moon. That can only happen in America, because Americans might have scoffed, might have went, that's the most stupidest idea. But by the end of the decade, the whole American people kind of went, yeah, we're going to America. Why? Because we're an American and we can do anything. We have freedom, baby. Other countries be kind of going, yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> <Yep>. You know, <laughs> you know, we'd put a rocket into space and it would probably fall after 100 feet. You know, and it's just... <laughs> You know, um and I always make the joke in Ireland what we'd say is that, that our president who has no power would probably say, you know, he's he was clearly on the Guinness too much last night. He's still hung over yet. <laughs> you
0: don't know what he's saying, bro. And so <laughs> too many Irish car bombs, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know that. Okay. He's oh, you've my had God. a car bomb. I, I was in the army, brother. I had plenty of Irish car bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you're in the army. Are we talking about the cocktail car bombs or the actual? <laughs> the actual with the Guinness and yeah. the uh, what is it? I forgot the, the is it the Baileys you yeah. drop in there? The, yeah. Yeah. Baileys and Jemison. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've drank yeah. Oh, I've drank plenty yeah. of both.
1: Uh, yeah, a little so, too much in
0: my time.
1: I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Baileys and Tia Maria, I think it is. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's a lovely drink. It so, is. So get the little fizz but, You Gotta uh, drink
0: it before it bubbles over. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so all in one <laughs> go as well right that's right <laughs> but man that's awesome so what year were you born in ireland uh 84 oh so you Oh, we were born the same year yeah. man so I know oh, okay. ireland has a you know a rough history with, with especially with war and i was reading uh i didn't get to do much of a deep dive the other day but i was reading about i guess a time period in ireland called the troubles Hmm. man can you elaborate on that a little bit more was that still going on when you were born because i mean that conflict went on for quite a while
1: yeah, it's, it's always going to be there. Um, and, and this is, you know, this actually segues perfectly into one of the reasons I like America, because you're about principles and ideas. So the troubles are the long story. I'll, I'll give you a quick history lesson on Ireland. So Ireland was part of England's, like you were, and we had a revolution similar to you. And basically we want England out. And the Irish revolution was about two words, home rule. Um, and they actually said this back then. They said, it's better for an Irish person to be ruled by an Irish person than an English person. Now, my attitude to that is, if I'm going to be ruled by a tyrant, I don't particularly care whether he's Irish, English, exactly. black, white, gay, straight, Christian. You know, like people can say, well, he's a Christian tyrant. I'm like, I don't care what type of tyrant you are. Tyrant's you know, a tyrant. It, yeah, you could, you could even get very specific to me. Well, he's bald and he's overweight. Is that okay? <laughs> no, I'm, he's a tyrant. You know, we can put lipstick on all that pig. It's still a pig um but we basically they uh they fought a revolution to england and uh they got obviously it was a messy affair and anyway they got england's negotiating table and they agreed a truce and ireland would get 26 counties and but england kept the six counties up the north and the reason they did that was because of belfast belfast was at that time was the shipping hub of europe where they make all these ships, like they make the Titanic and all those ships. So like it was a very prosperous area and England wanted to keep that naturally. So then you have two countries then in, in one piece of land like Ireland. So you have the big part of it, which is the Republic, which is mostly Catholic. And then you have the North, which is mostly Protestant. but it's a lot short, smaller of an area. It's 26 counties or states versus six. And um, the troubles are basically, um, there's just two battles of there's a lot of Catholics in the North who are on the Republic side who kind of went, we want to unite Ireland. We're one piece of land. We want one country. And then the troubles are, well, we don't want to join Ireland. We actually have allegiance to the Queen. We say, God save the Queen. We're English. We're Englishmen. We're, we're part of Northern Ireland. We're part of the, the Great Britain of the United Kingdom, uh, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. That's who we are. And the troubles are basically over that. And it's not on principle it's basically i'm protestant i'm better than you i'm better than you as a catholic no i'm catholic i'm better than you as a protestant it's we're we're never going to stop finding ways to hate each other and that's what it is it's not on principle it's on religion and god has been taken all out of it because literally there are people on both sides who go well i believe in god i'm a christian i'm like okay cool but it's okay for you to murder someone else for your cause you know because well god's on my side and i'm like this is not how it works america is the only country you know getting back onto the american side of things of that your revolution and your declaration of independence wasn't against a tyrant it was against a tyrannical government Mm -hmm. but also also a setting an idea that all men are created equal and all men have rights and the role of government is not to be the great arbiter and decide who's right and who's wrong but to protect everyone's God-given rights. And that is the difference, and that's one of the reasons you're exceptional. And what I see right now in your country is, is well, I, my side is better than yours. My No, no, my side is more virtuous. And I'm like, I, I'm not very political. I, I, when things are right on either side, I will say it. The Democrats in my opinion don't ever get really a lot right. Um, you know, I just, that's just how I see the world. I see the Constitution. I see the Declaration of Independence, the story of America, how you change the world. They just don't get it. The Republicans get it, stumble across it a few of the times, in my opinion, but you don't understand the Constitution. Why is that? You've forgotten your story. And that's my job to come and tell you, this is what it was like growing up in Ireland. I lived under socialism. I lived under where there was a tyranny of opportunity where if you didn't come from the right background, if you didn't have the right family, if you didn't have the right education, if you didn't have the right postal address, you didn't get opportunities as the same as other people. I don't want America to go down that road. So it's my job to tell your story, but to tell your story in a way of, this is why you changed the world. And if you get back to those principles, you change it once
0: again. And so what what was it actually like growing up under socialism in Ireland? So... It, it wasn't
1: as bad as you might think because when you're a kid you don't know no difference mm-hmm. right so like you know like you know you could be in a in a crazy family like that's just like f- fighting and you know just like crazy and like just no one gets on and there's all these political squabbles and you're kind of like well this is just my family this that's is the what norm. i know the yeah norm. Uh, Yeah, it's just what I know. And then you get out and realize, actually, no, not everyone acts like this, you know, like, you know, different things. And, you know, we, we, you know, you have dinner at the same time. You don't all have dinner separately, you know, little things like that. So when I grew up in Ireland, it was just what I knew, but nothing made sense to me. Um, so like I was always the kid, like I remember my first lesson. Um, and this just think about this. Imagine teaching this to like a six or seven year old kid today. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And Mm. that was inbred into me. Lot. Like, you could. it didn't matter if you had the best idea. Like, let's say back in 1980, you know, let's say 19, let's say the year 2000, right? I would have been 16. If I had this great idea that, you know, God came into me in a vision and said, you want to create the iPhone, it's going to change the world. Well, it doesn't matter in Ireland, you know, if you don't know the right people, you know, you can have the greatest idea. You could literally have everyone saying, I want to buy that iPhone. But if you don't have the right uh, political contacts and the right contacts in the big businesses to give you the money, you're not getting it you know you can it's all the thing whereas america has this idea of the rags to riches story you, you've heard so many of them over here who they grew up in absolute poverty knowing not the right people not knowing anyone just you know a really poor humble guy or girl doesn't matter your race or your sexuality and then all of a sudden they have this great idea and they create this business and boom you you know you have it so that's what the difference was but then as i was asked questions about society like so like on, let me give you an example of taxes you know, every cent you earn over about $35,000 is taxed at 40%. And I saw my parents. Yes. I saw my parents work so hard. And I remember when I got to like age of kind of like, I knew how money worked and stuff. I remember sitting down and talking to my parents kind of go, okay, so dad, you own your own business and you work at night as a manager in the founding hall of the country where all these musical performances happen you're the founding manager but the first manager ever mom you work all day and then you go work with dad at night why are we not really really rich and why do we have to struggle and they sat me down and explained taxes and the way they explained it to me is like this is just the way life is and i'm like but is this fair to you it doesn't matter this is the way life is and i'm like this is not right so i was always the kid who kind of go this doesn't seem right to me I only found out what the answers were when I discovered the idea of America, when I started researching it, because I fell in love with that as that kid wanted to come here. And then I just became this guy who was like, I want to know everything about America. I want to live there one day. I want to know all about your history, about how you were founded. I look because I just love history. And then I stumbled across the Declaration of Independence, and I was like, "Wow!" Then the Constitution, wow, the Deca- uh, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist, the Anti-Federalist papers, and all of a sudden it was like the, the I was red pill, you know. I was like, I didn't know what the answer was, and then all of a sudden I like, found the answers, and like, this is amazing. Yeah, so, and
0: then I heard, sorry, go ahead. So let me. So, what was your view of America prior to all this, just growing up as a young lad over there? Just loving it. Just because I got loved to the America. Here. Oh well, well oh, yeah. before you went to America.
1: Oh, I, I was only like seven or eight when I so, first came, so I probably didn't really realize. Not enough to comprehend.
0: But, yeah,
1: but like I grew like America was such a big thing for me. So like you know, you hear about racism in America. I, that's one of the reasons I started speaking out. There's no doubt there are some racist people in America on both sides and around the world. I've met some of them. They're really despicable people. Oh yeah. But for me, as someone who grew up, like, so I remember growing up, and we're the same age, so I'm pretty sure we're probably similar. I saw Bill Cosby as America's dad. Now, sadly, we, there's, uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> the, the how true that actually is.
0: He was. But,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not for good ways. Um, yeah. But I I don't, I haven't researched it enough, and I, I'm too skeptical these days, so I don't know. But I also grew up loving Michael Jordan. Like I, I, he was just I. You know, I remember. I, you know, basketball was the first sport I followed in America. Why? Because Michael Jordan played it. Air Jordans were the coolest thing going, and I wanted part of it. And then when he retired, it was like, oh, basketball sucks now. And then he came back, and it was like, oh my god, he's back! The gang is back together. And then <laughs> they went on and did another three piece. Then I remember Tiger Woods because I'm a golfer. I love sports. Period. Um I love all sports, but then this you know this young black guy comes up and just like dominates the sport and makes the sport so much better so this idea that america's racist there there's no doubt there's massive issues in the past and there's no doubt there are bad people, but you know look at all the 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 people who have advanced so much who who have literally become icons and like no it, to me you're talking as the Irish guy it didn't like. Phase me that, well, America's dad's a black man. You know, I, I love basketball because of a black man. I love golf. You know, Tiger Woods changed golf. It wasn't for me that they were black men. It was like it was Bill Cosby was a great actor. Michael Jordan was the best basketball player of all time. It's not LeBron James. If you're out there listening, yeah, to it, definitely LeBron James, Go watch some video. <laughs> and, but, and go and better than that, yeah, go watch some videos of past players who played a boat saying if Michael Jordan played today at his current condition, would score 50 night after night after night, our Tiger Woods. He wasn't a black man. I didn't see black. I just saw this guy, these people who just rose to the top of their sport, uh, or and in Mike Bill Cosby's case, rise to the, the thing where it's even transformed over in, in Ireland to been just just changing their industry they were just people who they were just trailblazers that's all i just saw if you said to me what do you would you i'd say they're probably american because they have that can-do attitude and anything's possible in america that's,
0: that's what i why, saw yes and that is yeah. why i tell people why america is so special so you know earlier and it's kind of the same way i opened my book i tell people when america started and you know the constitution was ratified that all men were created equal initially when america started all men being created equal did not include black people But this Mm -hmm. is the redeeming quality of America. What makes America great and beautiful is America has self-corrected itself Mm -hmm. over the years, over the decades, over hundreds of years to where Mm -hmm. my ancestors were at one time slave. And now I'm sitting here talking to you as a free man, you know, and despite what people are saying, like, man, this country is horrible to black people. I'm sitting here in my nice house, man. I don't have to worry about any of the things my ancestors worried about. And you're like, are there racist people? Of course there will Mm -hmm. always be racist people, but you know, I know who I am and I know where I come from and I'm so proud to be an American man, just because I look at what all black people in America have overcome and just America in general, the American story. It's an amazing story how a a group of ragtag farmers and minute were able to take down one of the greatest, not one of the greatest military in the world at the time, you know, a bunch of Mm -hmm. farmers, man, like it, people it's divine it really yeah. is but it's just it still baffles my mind that we have this great thing here and people here are just completely clueless and i mean honestly americans don't know american history they really don't. don't they really don't no. and, and now we're going to the point to where we're trying to get rid of the history and i'm just like this is a problem cuz once you get rid of the history you're doomed to repeat it and mm-hmm. and i see it happening now and you know it's just you know it's just like uh with the holocaust man There's so many people alive today that don't know what the Holocaust is. And I'm like, how do you not know what one of the greatest atrocities known to man? How -hmm. do you not know what that is? And we're just whitewashing everything, trying to start new in this new utopian society that people claim exists in these communist countries. And I'm like, and the thing is they don't know about Stalin. They don't know about Mao and all the millions of people they killed. But (laughs) for some odd reason, they think. Well, they just haven't done it right. We're going to do it right here. I'm like, it has, it has no, a right. track record, a track record of failure. <laughs> yeah. But even like we're re- so you just spoke there about history, right? So,
1: like, for all the people who want to talk about how, like, you know, I'll just use the big name of the day, like Donald Trump is this racist, evil person, right? I don't think he is. I think, you know, truth be told, I think John L- Donald Trump is like a bit of a jerk. And I mean yes. that in the way of like, he's New York that's like i've been to new york so many times he's got that new york <laughs> attitude down like i think he perfected it right and like i'm not saying when i say he's a bit of a jerk that's not me slamming him that's just me like that, i'm not making judgment on whether that's a good thing or a bad witches. Thing. I but i don't act that way but you know that's that's just in new york if you've been in new york for more than five minutes you've run into like 20 donald trump's right <laughs> right that's just the truth i'm sorry so a lot less you know, money. yeah exactly and if you go down wall street you'll see you'll probably see <laughs> donald trump but right now, we have a book, which I think, you know, I don't believe in, like, tyranny of, like, you know, hiding my tyranny, like saying, well, you should read these books. But there's a book I recommend reading. It's called Up From Slavey by Booker T. Washington.
0: It Phenomenal is one of the books. most
1: Phenomenal. Amen. Amen. Here's the thing. In modern-day printing from the last year, there's now an excerpt in the modern day before you read one word of Booker T. Washington. This is based on a fictional character. Are you, you say- want talk- It say that now? I'm serious. It has to be from the last nine months or 12 months of a version. But there's one novel on Amazon and it's still there that this is a fictional story only. I'm sorry. Which is more racist? I'm not defending any racism, but we're literally wiping Booker T. Washington out of history. I'm sorry. No, there is ample evidence out there because I've researched it. He did exist and that was his story. Now, maybe... I don't know him personally. I never met him. Maybe he embellished a little bit because we, you know, we all do when it, you know we live a b- boring life, and then all of a sudden we write a book, and then it's like you're bigger than better <laughs> than, than you actually are. Or you know, you you know, you fought a guy who was like five five uh, eleven, and then you write the book, and then it's like he was six four and three hundred pounds, and you took him down. <laughs> Maybe he embellished a bit, but there's factual evidence that he did exist, and that was roughly his story. But we're just totally erasing them from history. You know, you want to talk, if you want to talk about black history, you know, as an Irish guy who loves history of all countries, but my speciality is your founding history. We don't teach people about, you know, there's this black history month and black history and a black American history and white American history. I'm like, no, you cannot tell American history without black people. You cannot tell the Revolutionary War. You know, I, I talked to all these people who kind of go, well, you know, blacks and this and, you know, American slaves. I'm like, do you know who Chris Tick's Addicts is? Yes. Yep. During the,
0: uh, what was it? Not the tea party, but took one of the first shots. Yeah. He got killed. Yeah. He fought for freedom. Now, are you going to tell me? Yeah.
1: Are you telling me that he was so dumb that he didn't see the the, the writing on the wall that knowing that you wouldn't have, you would have become free, that he knew exactly what he was doing? Because he wasn't white, he was black. But also that we have this attitude of, well, all slavery is done by white people and black people. Go read the support, the Supreme Court case on Dred Scott. There, is black, there are loads of great black people out there. I've met them. And you know what's sad is the demeaning of the black people in certain cultures? It's, there's this undertone of it. The amount of people I've met in your military who serve this country, who put on a uniform of some level, are mostly that I've met are black. You know, it's funny. And then, but America, the flag represents this racist oppression. I'm like, have you been to a military base recently? Because you see so many black people there, you think that they wouldn't want to fight for this symbol of oppression. Now, did it take too long? No doubt. There is no doubt, even I think if you went to your founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, hey, when will slavery end? They probably would have said the early 1800s, maybe, you know, because time, things, things move slowly, maybe the mid 1800s. They wouldn't have said the mid 1900s. They would have said that's that's horrifically something has gone very wrong. You have misstrewed our path, our words, or you've gone wrong somewhere. You've taken a wrong turn. Did it take too long? Yes, no doubt. But where are we now? Exactly, we need to get to that point, and also more importantly, because we spend too much time pe- arguing somewhat pettily about the past and focusing on now, what I want to talk about and what I think we need to start talking about is the future. Where will wh- black people, white people and Asian people and any people of any persuasion be in five years? Will they be more free because on the current path, no will
0: well, they have yeah. more prosperity uh in five years? no we're resegregating ourselves we are literally going backwards you know, to where we're having like certain classes where only black students can be you know and white people aren't allowed to go in there you know, i'm like didn't we already fight a war to kind of end all this stuff <laughs> like you know yeah <laughs> like why are we doing like the civil rights era like we marched to get rid of all this but we're willingly being led to the slaughter by i guess politicians and activists and you know and all the types of other people man that are trying to underscrub the you know the american experience and it and i'm just sitting here watching and i'm like why is nobody else seeing this and i don't know what it is you know it's just i feel i feel like we've been conditioned to a certain degree you know and a lot of it is you know like black people have had a rough go in america yo but a lot of us now have a the victim mentality and i tell people as black people we should not have a victim mentality because look at what we have overcome look yeah. at where we're at now, dude. Like we, mm. you know, we made it. The only yeah. reason you ain't made it further is because you're making bad decisions, you know? Yeah. And I tell, not to, I understand that. Not everybody, you know, there are some people that deal with racism and oppression on some level and you can't control some of those factors. You know, they're trying to tear down the whole system, but I'm like, at the end of the day, it don't matter what system is in place, whatever system they're talking about. But I'm just like, you are only responsible for the choices and the decisions that you make. And if yeah. one person can make it, everybody can make it some people mm-hmm. going to have to fight harder some people going to have to fight longer but eventually you will make it yeah. and you're not going to you're not going to make it if you keep bringing up the racist white boogeyman like yeah. are they out there of course but that is not the norm but yeah. i mean i tell people all the time i i've been called nigger plenty of times but i'm but sorry oh i'm, 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 I'm trusting bro i don't even care man it's i'm like hey you say something boss like you know, yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, i don't i, I don't care and I, I was like, I look at the people that are saying it to me and I'm like, it's some homeless dude laying in the gutter. Why should I be offended? <laughs> you know, Like I'm yeah. going to get in my car and drive to my nice house with my nice family, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't let that take me, you know, bring, you know, they want to get a response out of you when they say that. And a lot of people don't understand that, man. And they just, yeah. you know, they want that emotional response. And I tell people we cannot give in to our emotions when that happens, you know, but yeah. like I said, we've been conditioned by, you know, people like Jesse Jackson and, you know Booker T. Washington. You know he even has a quote that says, "There's a class of black people that you know, you know their interest is in keeping the troubles of black people afloat, yeah, you know, for political gain and you know and monetary gain, because mm-hmm. if there was never none of these problems, they wouldn't have a job." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Look at it. look at Jesse Jackson. Also look at Al Sharpton. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, those, like, hopefully those eighty-seven thousand IRS agents get on them about that uh, about their that, taxes. <laughs>
1: I'm going to make a prediction on your show. Call me crazy, but that won't happen.
0: <laughs> well, the question is, we're so lazy now. Who's gonna Where are you going to find 87,000 Americans that want to work right now is the question. I know. Right? I hope it don't happen, man. Yeah. Uh, but so just if I can just say something
1: about that, just of so everything you just said, which is so true. But, you know, racism, if I may, I'll speak bluntly. I'll For me, there, racism is the dumbest reason to hate someone, right? Of all the things that you can say, right, you can say, look at me and kind of go, well, you're fat and you're ugly. I had something to do with that. Well, you're a Christian. You're one of those people. I have something to do with that because I chose Jesus as my savior. I don't like you because of your political views. Well, I researched and I do something. Race is the dumbest reason to hate someone. First off, because you had no control over it right but second of all what you're actually arguing about i remember talking to someone about this i'm like they said what well, they heard me say that and they asked me about it i was like why do you call it the dumbest because i actually did research on it you know the difference you're no I, I don't know how many of your listeners know who listen to this show you're not white right there's you know yeah <laughs> there's difference between me and you and do you actually know the
0: difference percentage wise the difference between my body and your body it's a few diet, a few millimeters man of skin uh, yeah there's a skin that's it mm-
1: yeah no the percentage is 0.0002 percent difference in my body composition and your body composition that's what we're arguing about but here's the thing the sad thing that humans don't get right and bringing this back to ireland just to give you a lesson if let's say there was a magic wand there, and we could just banish racism from society would that be a great day absolutely i would be out in the street celebrating that would be an amazing victory would the world be solved no because if you read enough of human history what does human history tell you people will never ever stop finding reasons to divide you and hate other people look at my country we didn't have a fight over race we had a fight over religion i'm catholic you're the problem you're the protestant you're the problem you are everything that is wrong with my country and then the protestant said that about the catholics the exact same message and then let's say we well we abolish religion all religions evil you think we're just going to find all of a sudden ways to find common ground it'll be politics look at your country you're a republican you're one of those right wingers you're a tea party person you're one of those constitutionalists heck i have it on my wall if you have a don't tread on me flag you're considered a domestic terrorist it's on my wall proudly yep you will never stop finding ways to pit man against man. Why? Because it's a tale of existence since the dawn of time yes, and will sir. go
0: on until the end of the world. That, that is, you are absolutely. That will always be here. There's always somebody trying to divide you so that they can conquer you. Yeah. That is, that is the story of the oh, oldest time, man. And then speaking yeah. of that, the whole racism thing, white supremacy, mm-hmm. Do you know, well, the roots of it. Do you know who Dr. Francis Welsing is? No, uh, I will have to see the videos. You know, but so what I try to do, you know, being that I'm conservative and, you know, unfortunately, i say a Republican right now, but it's unfortunate because. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so I do a lot of research in to how people on the other side think. And I talk to a lot of people and I used to be on the pretty far left at one point in time. You know, but I really started, you know, kept hearing about white supremacy, white supremacy. And I was like, OK, so I know what white supremacy is, but where does this all come from? there's this older black lady, she's now passed, but her name's Dr. France, Frances Welsing, and she was just talking about how white supremacy started. And she would, I mean, it was this whole elaborate thing made up, and she was like, if you take a white person and a black person, and they have a baby, who's that baby gonna look like? The black person, because their genes are superior genetic. and genetic. And so it pretty much goes into, white supremacy was started by white people to, for genetic survival survivability. That is the whole premises behind white supremacy. And I was just listening. I listened to this lecture for like an hour and a half. And pretty much what it does is it makes people intellectually lazy to where they don't have to think for themselves. And it looks for the worst in people. So regardless, you being white, you're a white supremacist. It's, it's just you don't know it. Because genetically, you know, you're know, you trying to survive in a world with people that you know, have stronger genes. Yeah, I will have seen the video, but I, I watched this for an hour and a half. And it's just so wild. And I was like, people were, li- I mean, listening and eating this stuff up. And there are people that buy into this stuff. And, you know, I started thinking the other day, I told my wife, I was like, you know, people talk a lot about white supremacy, but the answer to white supremacy is not black supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> that does not fix anything, man. It just keeps us in this crazy cycle, you know, where somebody's trying to get the upper hand on the other person. And I'm just like, this is not how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. If I may quote one of your great leaders, Martin Luther
1: King, the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King, oh, yeah. "Let us judge a man by the content of his character and not the
0: color of his skin." That's how simple. simple! How simple! Simple. simple but yeah, I don't. We've made it so difficult.
1: So. We we really have. We have, and we're just destroying everything that is good about you know the world and you know like the idea of freedom and the people i always feel sorry for and i'm sure you, there's some people who say well you know this is you you know f- feeling sorry for dexter and looking down on him and stuff i'm not doing this but it's no. just the people i have black friends who are conservative you want to talk about some of the bravest americans I- i'll tell you just think about how brave it is for a black person to come out forget coming out publicly <laughs> just in their own family to say you know what
0: oh yeah donald
1: trump isn't as bad as you all say he is that uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's like so. i Negro. You have lost your mind, uh huh. <laughs> but you see the way you're spoken about on on TV. Like if you actually dare, so like people like would say about people like me and my friends at the Blaze and stuff that we hate black people and that we're you know we're oppressing you and and we're tr- you know we're triggered by your existence and you know we want to be white supremacists. We're we're because we're ultimately so racist because we dislike Barack Obama. Yeah they're saying to you that if you dare have a difference of opinion get on back on the plantation you're only an uncle tom and that's some of the stuff they say publicly about you can you imagine what your own family is saying about you at so once i'm like and yeah i'm the bad person i'm like i don't care your race i really I, you could be look you could honestly be obviously you're a black man you could be sitting in front of me right now on this zoom called the color of the frickin' rainbow i don't care like you could have all seven colors of that rainbow. You'd be really pretty, by the way. <laughs> First time I've but heard I that don't... in a while. <laughs> oh, you're so pretty, brother. But I'd still have a conversation, but you would still have this conversation. It might go in a different direction because you're the color of the rainbow. But you know, <laughs> like it's it's cool because we need to get back to kind of going understanding that the vast majority of people are worried about the same things. Like, I don't care whether you're black, Asian, gay, straight, Republican or Democrat. What are you worried about right now? I'm worried about putting food on the table. I'm worried about p- filling up my car. I'm worried about my kids' education. I'm worried about how my kids are going to go to college. You know, we're all worried about the same, similar stuff. Obviously, it varies from family to family because, you know, they might have older kids. They might have younger kids. They might have no kids. You might have the kids moving out. But you're all worried about the same things or you want, you're worried about opportunities, This is not a race thing. This is not a sexuality thing. This is a human condition that we have. Yes, sir. And the problem that we have as as someone who's now living in America and seeing it firsthand is we're spending all this time talking about junk. The reason I don't get political is because I get very angry when I get political because I know people behind the scenes. I'm kept very well informed about what's happening on the Hill. And both sides have no idea about what's going on. How to fix gas prices. No idea. There is no cognizant plan to deal deal with it how do you stop inflation the dummies up in washington yes they passed the inflation reduction yes now i'm no economic scholar but i have studied economics i don't know how everyone knows the the definition of inflation is too much money chasing too few goods that's the simplest definition that everyone knows it's misquoted all the time and are not misquoted but misunderstood and then quoted and then butchered in their explanation of it but that's ultimately what it is the people in DC just say we're going to spend a lot more money and that's going to reduce inflation. I'm sorry. 30 billion. Uh huh. And all this money on climate change action. How is that going to reduce inflation? It's not. But you have all these things. How is people, how, what about opportunity? We have issues like growing governments. You have all those AIRS doubling in agents. You have things like the great recess. How are people going to have more jobs in the future? How are we going to have more prosperity? How is this possible? We don't have that. And we're literally, no one is putting forward a, a good, coherent, easily accessible, and easily explained plan for the American people. We're just caught up in this division that my side is better than your side. And we need to get past that and start going, you know what?
0: Y'all suck. We're going to start working for the American people. So let me ask you. So I'll listen to your last few episodes on Freedom's Disciple. And you were talking about the Great Reset, which you just... Mention, you know, and I tell people, man, I do my best to research as much as possible. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy. I really try to thrive on common sense, yo, but it's, it's getting to the point to where there's so much going on. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's real, but I do know this is real though. BlackRock Mm -hmm. and all these uh, companies are buying up all this land in America, you know, and I remember you were talking about the social credit score and stuff and just the great reset. And so if you could just kind of walk people through the whole ideal of the great reset and all that's going on with that because i said i'm not well versed in it i it's something i just literally started looking into and i'm very interested i say i'm always skeptical but at the same time you can't sit here and tell me that there's not something larger at play in this country in which you know people aren't paying attention and yeah i don't even think our politicians are aware themselves you know because i'll tell these are not our best and brightest in office these are just people Mm. that they're literally not yeah I mean, so it's just i don't and we just some odd reason keep voting them in for beyond me but
1: yeah you you your dc if you wanted to make one change in dc just make your dc not look like a retirement home because oh there's Lord. so many people that are there oh and like you have and you have so many people that are there for like 30 40 years and it's like okay you got like okay time to go on move on you know so um great reset so The Great Reset is actually not a conspiracy theory. And it's actually the easiest thing to research. So let me give you an example. When I started speaking out, Barack Obama was president. I would speak out privately among friends. I've always loved America. I know your constitution pretty well. I've done so much research on the idea of America and the stories. And people would ask me behind the scenes going, how about this? And what about this? And I was like, sure, go for it. And then this and different things. Then Barack Obama came and then I heard about, you know, America been evil, vile, and racist. And I found this disgusting. And I was like, no, it's not. There's problems, but I need to start speaking out and also speaking out about, you know, where socialism was becoming cool. Like it was becoming cool on campus you had people like bernie sanders rising up through the ranks i'm like socialism isn't cool i've lived through it y'all don't want to follow this path so i started speaking out about it and when i'd have friends on the left who would you know because i'm not a uh an insulting person i don't do insults so i would have people on the left listen to my work or read my work and kind of go so prove to me that you're right And I'd have to kind of go, well, Barack Obama said this in this speech. And then if you link it to this speech and then so and so, you know, Chuck Schumer said this. And then if you see what the UN said and you add it all together, here's the end result. And they'd kind of go, yeah, that's a lot of work. You're you're full of nonsense. When I talk about the Great Reset, I literally have to tell you, go watch their own videos. So there's actually, I think it's like three or four minutes of a propaganda video. The 10 things the Great Reset will do. And two of them is you will own nothing and be happy. Yes. They're not just saying this is what we're going to do. They're saying that we're going to do this, and it's a good thing, and it's got fancy music, it's very well recorded, it's very well edited, it's slick, man. Another one is um you will eat meat once a week. It's no longer a conspiracy. They're telling you they want these things. What is this doing? The Before, um I don't know how much you want to go into this issue, but I want what to get happened... Into it. Okay. So basically what happened was prior to 2016, Donald Trump inspired indirectly the great reset, in my opinion. What happened was prior to 2016, there was an Apple cart in DC. You always had to rise through the ranks. You had to do service. Only people who went through a certain career path in certain offices, in the House, in the Senate, in the governor, could then go for run for president. You had to have experience. And any change would always go through a legislative branch. We want climate change. Well, we're going to do it through executive order and legislation, or we're going to do it through, you know, regulations through the EPA. Then Donald Trump gets in, and you have this outsider coming in and kind of going, I don't care. I don't play by these rules, even if you hate them." He didn't play by the typical DC rules and no one expected it. Even if you look at George Clooney, Nancy Pelosi, when he was running, he's never going to be president. He's, he's an outsider. He's dumb. He's this, he's that. Then all of a sudden he won and they had four years of, him of not getting the legislation passed, not getting the executive orders. So what do you do when you believe the climate's on fire? When you want all this power, you wield other acts as a power that they have. And what they've found out is when you do things through business, there's no legislation, when you do things through business, there's no people up for re-election kind of going, hey, I didn't like that you supported this bill. You're out of a job now. Go back to the private sector. There's none of that. They also understand that they have so much influence through the wokeness, through corporations, that they yield so much power. So let me give you one example. Coca-Cola. We all know Coke. We've all a, you know, a, a bottle of Coke, nice and cool on a warm day. Where I am, it's 104 degrees. Lovely <laughs> bottle of Coke would be nice, right? Coke understood and woke up and realized, do you know how much power we actually have? Of, and they, they'll guys it in propaganda of the power for good. They now influence every company that does business with them. When they go to all these countries overseas, you know, because Coke has to be bottled, not just in America, it has to be bottled in Europe and different parts of the world in Asia to get to Australia, to get to China, to get to Japan, it has to be bottled in Europe, to get to Ireland, England, France, Spain. Anyone who wants to bottle Coke overseas has to hit certain criteria. You have to have certain amount of minorities on the board, certain amount of uh, gay people on the board. You have to do certain things in certain business. They're doing all these things. You have to recycle a certain amount of your goods. You have all these criterias. And if you don't do them, you lose the contract. So they're influencing this. Now, what the great reset is, I just use Coke as an example. They woke up to it. The great reset is all these businesses, people meeting in Davos. Their videos are online. If you don't believe anything I'm saying or skeptical and want to listen, and I encourage you don't listen, believe anything I say, do your own homework. Go to weforum.org. It's the World Economic Forum. They literally have article after article after article after article after article, video after video explaining what they want to do. They want the full control of the economy. Now, even if you believe in climate change and all these principles, do you think it's a good idea to do a true business? Or do you think it's a good idea to do it through politics where there's actually some oversight? Because this is where I miss my friends from the left from circa 2000, 2004. You want to know how they've changed? I remember George Bush's president. I don't know if you remember if you were political. Oh, yeah.
0: I was in the army. I was in Iraq in 04. (laughs)
1: Wow. Well, thank you for your service there. (laughs) But I don't know if you remember, you were probably busy fighting and, you know, fighting for freedom that you might have missed this. But one of the major accusations that the left had against George Bush was he was in bed with Big Pharma. Mm -hmm. Look at what you're doing in this country right now that the left are openly supporting. Pfizer, Moderna, Janssen. These are all great companies. I miss the left that used to say big business is the problem and needs to be stopped. Well, if you like, if you agree with that sentiment, you should be against the Great Reset. Why? Because this is the elites of the elites of the elites. They're not asking the mom and pop store down the corner. They're not asking the little 7-Eleven or the little McDonald's franchisees. They're asking all the CEOs. They're asking Prince Charles to go to these. By the way, Prince Charles, I know you don't probably care about this, the future (laughs) king of England is on record now, and this got no media anywhere around the world, of taking a million dollars from the Bin Laden family. This guy is a dirtbag. The amount of Englishmen, whether you agree with the war or not, why would you have Englishmen dying overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan and then you're taking a million dollars, or sorry, a million pounds from the Bin Laden family? Are you crazy? And this is going to decide who you want to have and what businesses you want to do and what society you want to live in? if you believe in everything they want then do a true elections that's what you should be told but they don't want to do that they want to do things where there is no accountability no oversight just do what you want because you have the power because and the, the ends just and the money and the ends justify the means so if you want to get
0: you- more let me ask sorry, you. Go ahead. how do you
1: define fascism i suppose the typical version of fascism is where you just stifle everyone's speech and you're only allowed one opinion that's the typical definition.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was uh, listening to, a, I'm, I'm a big Drinking Bros fan. And uh, Dan Holloway was on there saying that, you know, this is like the newest form of fascism where what you're talking about, politicians and private corporations work together to stifle mm-hmm. the voice of the American people. Yeah. That,
1: that is what we're seeing. Um, you're, 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 It's just all about control. Um, that 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 is what you're seeing on widespread opinions. They're mm-hmm. not allowed to have any varying opinion. If you differ from the norm, they're going to get what they want done. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it. And now they're doing it through and they just want to control it. So let me give you a story if I may. Oh yeah. Why no did America change the world? America changed the world for many different reasons. We discussed a couple of them earlier on. But the American people changed the world you see the declaration of independence says what that all men are created equal and among other things you have a right from your creator to pursue your happiness and if you're successful you have the right to keep the fruits of your labor right that's the american dream in a nutshell your people said you know what if we have this idea if we see a need in society if we need we need this product we need a new phone we need to go to mars whatever the problem is we're going to solve it We're going to solve it through capitalism, through innovation and creativity. And then by solving a problem in society, we're going to make a profit and we're going to make a good life for ourselves, for our families and also our workers. The rest of the world said no, that the major problems in society should be dealt with at a government level. That is the big difference. What you're seeing with the great reset is the top companies getting in bed with government saying, we are the moral arbiters of society. You can't solve it. So if you're a mom and pop store, your opinion on climate change doesn't matter you can't do anything but what we will do is enforce it and just think about how you'd like this so imagine your company and i'll use coke because they're the famous example but there are plenty of other big companies imagine your coke bottling plants and they're like 70 percent of your work are you going to stand up and say no to them that is the power one company yields now you might agree with climate change but imagine, where's the kind of bridge that's too far? Well, I agree in climate change, so I'm not going to say anything. Okay. And then, well, what's next? If they decided that, you know what, whatever, all products have to be done this way, and it's a proposal that you don't like, hey, maybe let's say you have to put actual cocaine back in Coke. And if you don't do it, we're taking your business. Oh, well, you shouldn't have cocaine in Coke. That's bad. Okay. Well, you've just said it's okay when it suits you. You're giving Coke this power. Is that a good idea? If I may remind you of a poem, First, they came for the trade unionists, mm-hmm. but I said nothing because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the socialists, and I wasn't a socialist, so I said nothing. Then they came for the Jews, and I wasn't Jewish, so I said nothing. And then they came for me, and there was no one else to speak, to out speak for up for yep. This is what we need to do. We need to speak up against all these issues, because what you're seeing right now is tyranny in different formats. Tyranny, true, or or as you said, fascism by by the drinking bros. Fascism or tyranny. Fascism is tyranny. Either by by government, by a Supreme Court, or by business. My answer is always this. Let the free market decide. And I'll prove to you that it can work to climate change, because that's the big issue of the day. If you really believe in climate change, the free market is your answer. And you have success, and I'll prove it to you. Think of the stereotypical gas goes or the guy that's like, I want a gas an engine. I love, I want me more gas, right? (laughs) If I gave you a Tesla for free, would you drive it? Oh, absolutely. There you go. (laughs) You see, the thing about Tesla is he believes in climate change, but it's not the reason for the Tesla. He's gone on interview after interview. I want to make the Tesla the coolest car out there that's what you do make it the coolest car but also it saves the planet make the 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 best form of energy and then save the planet you see here's the thing that frustrates me about because i'm a common sense guy like yourself if you really believe in climate change and you think the world has 500 days or whatever five years or 10 years or whatever the number is these days you know we do have a situation to have clean air and clean energy or cleaner air and clear energy it's called nuclear but they don't Mm -hmm. want that so that's the problem that we have. It's like you can't have your cake and eat it. If you believe in these things and want to change these things, let's have that conversation, but let's actually have all possibilities. They just don't want all the possibilities. It has to be their way, and it's that fascism. It's
0: either my way or you're the enemy, and I must crush you. So let me ask you. You keep saying they and their. Who actually are they? Because, you know, I remember I, back in the day, you know, the whole conspiracy theories, the NWO, the New World Order, is this type kind of like the same type of people, or is this something completely different? Um, when I say they, you see,
1: I don't like the whole name things like the New World Order and, you know, all those types of things. They, for me, is it's usually the people around government on all sides of the aisle. And this is around the world. If you like you, there's very few people who will get into politics today, kind of go, I want to run for office. And what do you want to do? I just want to leave people alone and let them solve out their own problems <laughs> and let them solve yeah. the world's problems. That person ain't getting elected. No, you know, they got to run on a mandate. I, I, yeah, I want to fix the bridges. I want to fix the roads. I want to fix the environment. I want to fix business. I want to fix this and I'm going to do it for you. The thing we need to get back to is kind of going, you know what? I just want to run for politics and just, you know, follow the constitution. You know, I want to follow the the idea of you know leaving you alone and just not taking your stuff and just making sure your rights aren't being violated by other people or by government. Because you want to talk about a story of how much your country has changed. You know, you talk about narrative. People on both sides of the aisle and people who know who claim to know the constitution. I've had meetings with these people behind the scenes. Kind of, I've heard you say this speech that the president is the most powerful person in the world. You do know that's the biggest lie in the, the lie that you can say, right? And they're like, no, why? I'm like read article two of the constitution there is no power in the presidency it's become powerful by just precedent and by the way they do things but the president has no power by the way the reason the president is called the president is because back in the founding era when the constitution was written president was the lowest title of power they could come up with it wasn't a prestigious thing like today we think of presidents and we think oh powerful men and women back then it was kind of like uh, well, you got congressperson and congresswoman and senator. And what will we call the person at the top? What has no power? President. Yeah, that'll do. That's <laughs> what they did. The, you know, king and queen and emperor had, pre- had titles back yeah. then, not president. President was like the president of like the local automobile club. <laughs> you know, obviously, <laughs> they did, you know, the pres, you know, it's like saying, you know, I'm the, and I'm not trying to be dismissive, but like it has the same amount of power over society. You know, the, the, the president of the boys and girls club. You know, just the face of the
0: organization man that's it
1: yeah yeah spokesperson you know and that's what the presidency is but today it's become all this all powerful it can do everything has all these regulatory bodies it has executive orders and all these different things and we need to get back to it of understanding that i trust the american people i believe that when the american people are left alone good things happen now am i saying a blanket and leaving them alone no Like, I'm not saying, hey, you leave people alone and they won't beat people up. Yeah. Clearly there's laws for that. I'm not an anarchist. If you, if you go down the street kind of girl, I'm free. John said I, he trusts me. I can do anything I want and you go beat up your neighbor. No, there's police for that. And you go to jail and there's things or you can rob that now. I'm a cop now here at Louisville. Yeah. So, but within limits, it's like you just, you know, if you have a problem in society, that's how innovation, you know, that's how innovation happens. Why do you think they created, you know, the fridge? Because lots of things were going off, and they kind of went. We need a fridge. Why do you think they made cars? Well, we need st- something faster than a horse and cart. You know, we, our America is a big country. You know, it can't take years upon years to get from east coast to west coast. They created trains, but that wasn't always an option because trains have to go on the track. So eventually, they created cars. Why did they create submarines? Because they want. It wasn't o- always okay to go over boats, and wars happened. They needed to go under the boat. All this innovation came from we have a need to fix things. We have a need to be better. We have a need to, you know, do stuff. You know, why did they create the iPhone? They had phones. They could phone each other and text each other because we wanted a situation where we could phone each other, text each other, be on social media, play games, see our email, listen to music, take photos, uh, organize our apps. (laughs) That's, you know, everything that you can do on a phone. Yeah, that's what happens. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak had that vision. That's innovation. That's creativity. We need to get back to that.
0: So, man, my thing is, how do we get back to that? Because what I see with our government right now, especially, you know, uh, our, you know, Congress people and all of them, they are becoming, they are the elites and they're becoming their own ruling class. They are the patrician class, legit. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're an aristocracy and they're they're dynasties. And that's the one thing that we did not want in America. We did not want a whole lineage of people that continue to rule over the people. And now we have this issue where we're having everybody that's involved in Congress. They are working with these corporations and we all know yeah. how people in Congress are getting their money. Stocks yeah. and you No, know, They're mm-hmm. doing these backyard deals, man. We're working with these companies and getting all this money. So how do we fight back against all this and the great reset, man? Cause I'm, I, I was telling, talking to people on my podcast the other day and I was like, man, I don't know the answer. I don't, right. I wish I did. I wish I knew because it, anything short of a violent revolution i don't i don't i don't know what else and i don't want to sit here and say now we it's time to take up arms because i don't feel like we're at that point yet you know i don't i don't want and honestly i don't want us to get to that point i've been to war it's ugly you know i got scars on my arm and i still have nightmares from being in iraq 16 years ago you know and the last thing i want is to have to fight and shed blood on american soil hell i went through that in 2020 with the riots and protests man like there's nothing worse than seeing the people in your country that you swore to protect, take up arms against you thinking that you're the enemy. And I tell people the police, you know when I look at the American people that are armed, that's not the enemy. So I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm constantly thinking and plotting like, how can we make things better? What can I do? And I feel like all I can do is take care of my small part of the world where I'm at, you know, by treating people the best I can, and you know, I mean, and it, honestly, it doesn't feel like it's doing much. But I feel like it's something. It's better than doing nothing. But I don't know how we fight back against this much corruption and this much money flowing up. Oh, Thank you, froze up. So yeah, and I just, I just don't know how we fight back against it, man. And so you are well versed in educating all this. How do you think we fight back? So the question is, how do you solve this? So the
1: one thing that I, the biggest thing you need to understand for me is it's not a one size fits all if we're going to solve this which i believe we do it's going to take a lot of time a lot of effort but it's going to take people doing a lot of different roles so the first thing i'll say is you correctly say about the war i get worried when i meet with people behind the scenes and kind of go well the only thing that's going to solve this is a revolution or a war or an uprising and you know our founding fathers would have done this already and i disagree with that because if you think right now there's going to be a war tomorrow And it's going to be a revolution in America. What are the sides? The thing that why I say it's wrong about your founding fathers is your founding fathers, war was a last resort. But also, if you read people like John Adams, when he said, and I quote, it was like, what do we mean when we say the war, the war against the British? No, sir. The revolution was fought in the hearts and minds before a bullet was fired. It wasn't a war against the British. The British were just a mere actor, the earthly possession of, quote, unquote, the opposition. The real war with your revolution was the idea of America. If you want to start a revolution and if you believe that a revolution is coming and that's the only way that's going to fix it, you need to lay the groundwork that you can use your Declaration of Independence. Because what happened to get to the Declaration of Independence? You need to clear your sides. You need the first solution. I'm a Christian, and I apologize if that offends you or anyone who's listening. Oh, brother,
0: I'm all in on my Jesus, my man. I'm with you. Good. I tell I'm his uh, prodigal son, so. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. First solution. We need to get the churches to have
1: a spine. There was a Gallup poll done. About a month ago, I think it was. And it said 40% of pastors who preach every Sunday in America only preach, believe the the gospel of of Jesus and that the Bible is God's word. Actual word for word, that's what they believe. 40% of it. We want to solve problems, start there. Why did I say Christianity is the key? Because Thomas Jefferson, when you read the Declaration of Independence, wrote an incredibly arrogant statement in the start of it, unless you know history. What is that statement? We hold these truths to be self evident. Yeah, just think just think of today. That's a very arrogant statement. Think of today 2022. What is self evident today?
0: <laughs> we can't even agree yeah. on what a woman is. My lord yes in- I was about to say we don't know what bathroom <laughs> to use that men yeah. can have babies and yeah. women have 7 inch penises like I <laughs> I, I told am hey, i like my women old, i like my women old school brother without the penis though <laughs> i'm trying to answer a
1: serious question and you just throw it out in women with their seven inch penises <laughs> you just said a penis see, but you had to yep. literally give the, the length of it as well man yeah <laughs> You know, I I think someone should create a T-shirt. I'm jealous of the women with the seven (laughs) ends. But it is true. Getting back to the the, the self-evident truth. It is a very confident statement. Like, it is very arrogant. Like, you know, imagine even saying it in my household my wife tanya hey tanya in this household this is a self-evident truth now we're lucky we agree on a lot of stuff so we could find common ground on the declaration of independence but you know if it was just a general thing about life I'm, you know we have our difference opinion on how you should do things and how you should do work we probably wouldn't find we'd find some agreement but it wouldn't be universal but thomas jefferson said we hold these truths to be self-evident how history before any bullet was fired before thomas jefferson was even given approval these were self-evident truths why because the pulpits in your country even though it wasn't a country was on fire and then not only were they on fire but the message was taken home at the family table discussed dissected between mother father and kids and anyone else who would come these issues were common knowledge and they were discussed at length even when you had a difference of opinion We need to get back to that. We need to find what truths can we hold self-evident. What can we get there? Then, when it comes to solutions, we need to start understanding. In my opinion, the only way you solve America's problems is until you get to the, the story of America. America, quite simply, is the greatest story man, and I specify man, ever came together to write. Why do I specify man? Because the Bible, in my opinion, is clearly the best story. Even though there's a lot of bad pages in there, and there's even, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's a lot of like, you know, it's it's funny because I'm just on a side note, on a sidebar. When I read the Bible, I actually understand it more in this world over the last two years because I would read the stories, you know, as I'm sure you have, of the making a mistake, repenting, and then making the exact same mistake like two months later, or two years later. I'm going, people uh-huh. can't be that stupid. Y'all are dumb. <laughs> And then I used to always think about what God is
0: like. God must be up there kind of going, oh, my God. <sighs> my son, how many times are we going to have to go through this? Yeah. It's like the whipping ain't the working. Desert. No. No, that's why yeah. I, I, I say I am proudly his prodigal son, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm his redhead stepchild.
1: <laughs> but over the last two years, look at how many mistakes we have repeated. The other thing we need to get to, if you want to start solving the problems, then we can get into the politics of it Um, because there is a political solution you've strayed from, is we need to have understanding that we need to hold people to account. Let me just give you one thing, COVID, right? You have, like, I don't care your political opinion. You could listen to this whole interview and kind of go, I pretty much disagree with everything you say. I will have a conversation with you once you are held to account and that you don't flip-flop. Look at all the things on, I'm just going to name one person, Anthony Fauci. That guy has been on every side of every issue since day one. And yet he's still revered in the media. Oh, and by the way, and this is an issue close to my heart, he gets dogs and feeds them to ants. He buries dogs, leaves their heads up, and then lets the ants do. Oh, and by the way, because he's a real cruel son of a bitch, and excuse me if that's oh, not no, out on nah, the show. Trust me. No, you are good, brother. he. Re- because when you do this to dogs, you know, if they're buried and they can't get out and they've been swarmed by bugs and eaten, they tend to make a lot of noise because he's such an evil son of a bitch. They remove their vocal cords. That's Anthony Fauci happened after COVID, yet no one holds him to account. We need to get to a point where if you say something, it means something. And if you're wrong, I'm not saying you can never make a mistake. If you're wrong, you should be demanded to go in front of the people going, hey, I said this. I was wrong. The evidence changed. The science changed. Now the advice is this. And I apologize. We're going to work to make better decisions going forward. And this is what we
0: have done. Has he ever apologized once for been ever been wrong? No. And, and he also said, I am the science. Oh, now, I remember that. Yeah. And, and now the new CDC guidelines, there's, it's almost like it's COVID's nothing. It's, it's a yeah. damn cold. You yeah, can go out and People yeah. that have not been vaccinated don't have to do anything different than people that have been vaccinated. So what was all this last two years for?
1: Uh-huh. Nothing. Nothing. That, that's the thing. So the thing that gets me really upset, and then we can come back to solutions if you want. The thing that annoys me now that I'm living here is the poor people have no voice. And I hate breaking down society into sections, but I just want to give you one profession. You're a waitress or a waiter in a job or you're a bartender. My heart goes out to you for what your government has done to you, and around the world. You now have been to a point where you were shut for a month, six months, a year, two years because of COVID because you were told you are the problem, you can't open up. You finally get told you can open up, and now you're about to enter an economy that's rampant inflation, record inflation, record gas prices. The economy is about to crater, and all these jobs are just going to go, and only the best will survive. You're going to have a four, five, six, seven-year period if you're that type of income worker. That is no career. You're literally in seven years going to be at the point. And you're talking about government being the problem? Government is the only problem that we have right now. And that's what we need to get to. Next solution. If you believe in what I just said and the idea of America, you have no friends in D.C. We need to get to a point where we look at the Republicans and the Democrats. Let me give you an example. I have these conversations behind the scenes. I'm hated behind the scenes. Because I say, so if I was to pick a perfect storm for an election, romp, what would you pick? Ramping inflation, rampant gas prices, the economy about to tinker, the stock market going down, and problems overseas. That's ripe for, hey, we need a new change. What do you have to do? We need to get to a point where we're going to give the American people the press Where's the solution? What are the Republicans going to do when they win the House and the Senate in 2022? Because they will win it. Mm -hmm. Not even they can blow it. What are you going to do for the American people? I know the inflate. we passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is spending more money. That's going to make the problem worse. What are you going to do? What's your plan? So we need to get to a point where we get to the politics and say, let's start putting the country first. If there's a good Republican, great. If there's a good Democrat, highly unlikely, but great. Let's have that. But not just this blanket of, well, left are bad, Republicans are good. Next solution. And you want to do this solution more than anything else. The last two I'll give you and then if you want to go into more detail. The power in your country has shifted. We automatically think of the president and the House and the Senate in D.C. The power in your constitution, the power in America, the reason you're exceptional is federalism. The idea of the biggest stop that you, I said this to someone the other day about a month ago or two months ago is at a speech. And I started asking these questions. And I had someone who disagreed with me a lot of issues. And I asked the guys, what does checks and balances mean to you? And they said the Republicans of Democrats. I'm like, there's the problem. No, that is Checks not- and
0: balances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is not. Check and
1: <laughs> balance is different levels of government. And we have forgotten the states. You want to know how things would change. And I always use this as an example. Whether you like it, most people on the right like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida right now. Think about how bad you feel in America right now. Can you imagine if tomorrow you woke up and you were ten states down south with Ron DeSantis' version of governor? If the governor of Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama, Kansas were all Ron DeSantis' molds, how much better would you feel about the country? You'd feel a lot more optimistic. You kind of go, "We're having bad times, but we got some good states down here. We can all flock there, right?" Why are we not having that? On a larger level. We need to get to that. We need to get to the state races. We need to get to the point where we start empowering the states to stand up and kind of go, hey, Biden, you can sign all these executive orders you want, but when it comes to my state, it's dead on arrival. Why? Because here in this state, we believe in the Constitution. And the Constitution, sir, says you and your office have zero power over what we do. Congress has 18 clauses of power. Everything else is my job to deal with. I'm the governor. I'm the mayor. I'm the state senator. I'm the state house person. That's what we need to do. And then I'll leave you with this last solution on how to get it. Start telling the world what you're for. And I'm going to prove to you that this is an American solution. I'm so tired of people telling me what they don't like. You know how many meetings I have with people, talking with people online and different things behind the scenes, going kind of the left are the problem. The left, this, 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 and this. And they focus and they lay out this case of what the problem is. But they never tell them what they're for. We need to get back to a point where we tell the world what you're for because it's an American principle. A month ago, six weeks ago, we celebrated Independence Day, right? Mm -hmm. The Declaration of Independence. Everyone knows, whether you know American history or not, some of the cliches. We've spoken about some of them. We hold these truths to be self-evident all men are created equal we pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor they become cliche in society like they just get repeated ad nauseum you might know what they mean you might know who wrote them but you know they're existing in american history you know what's not in american history any one of the 27 issues that caused the breakup of the king why because it's not american to tell the world what you're against it's an american principle to tell the world what you're for and here's where i hit you with some hard truth and your listeners This Irish guy, I can't look around at your society and tell me what you're for. I know what you tell me who you want as the next president. I know who you tell me who you want to win in 2022. But I can't tell one principle you're for. We need to get back to a point where we start telling the world what you're for. Because you're at your best and we are at our best now when we're the Statue of Liberty. When we're holding our principles firm and we're shining the light for the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world and American needs America to be the shining city on a hill. I know it might be cliche or might sound cheesy to some people, but to this Irish guy who lived this overseas, there was a reason I waited 18 years in line to get here. There's a reason I consider myself so lucky and so blessed that I am here now because you are that shining city on a hill.
0: You changed the world, but we need to believe we can do it again. Oh man, that is, man, that is awesome. That is inspired. You know, I say a lot of that in my book, you know, but I just look at America now and I just look at the people and, you know, I feel like we've had no problems for so long. We've had it so good that we have gotten lazy that we've gotten to the point that where we don't mind people governing us. So we can stay distracted with our phones and social media and making TikToks. And so, you know, people don't know, have no clue what's going on, man. And because nobody's paying attention to the doings of the government, they're doing running rampant and doing whatever the hell they want to do. And people are okay with it because it's business as usual, because as long as my Wi-Fi signal is strong and as long as I can go to the grocery store and get my groceries and my food, I can live my life. And, you know, getting back to how we fight back, you know, I was it kind of came to me when you were talking about how people can fight back. For me personally, you know, I'm a police officer in Louisville, Kentucky. We are in a time now where a lot of police officers are afraid to speak out. And me being Black and being conservative and being an active officer, I'm the only police officer that's active in the country that has written a book about his experience in the 2020 riots. And a lot of people think I'm crazy because they say, man, you work for the, you know, you work for the, you know, the city, you're a cop. You can't say these things and do these things. And I'm like, one, the First Amendment of the Constitution and the 13th Amendment that says I'm no longer a slave. So how did that mean as a police officer I can go out here and ensure that everybody else has the, you know, they can, no, they can use their rights, but I can't use those rights myself because a policy on the, on the, uh, on the city level, you yeah. no, sir, I've almost died for this country and people think I'm crazy for speaking out. And I'm like, maybe this is a form of me standing up to, you know, all the corruption and uh, the, you know, the government overreach, because a lot of guys are f- afraid to say anything. Cause they're afraid of losing their check, man. Yeah. I, I'm at a point where I'm just tired. I've been that guy most of my life where I just sit and do what people have told me to do. And I just got to the point over the years where I'm tired of it. I'm tired tired of trying to blend in, tired of trying to be everybody's friend, tired of trying to get everybody to like my posts and folks. I don't care about that no more. I care about the truth and I care about my individual principles that I live with my family. And it's my last name. I tell my kids, P, personal responsibility. I, integrity. T, trustworthiness tenacity s selflessness you know and people literally and they tell me all day man has has the police chief said anything to you the mayor they ain't said a word to me and i don't expect them to and the thing is nobody said anything either because i think they're afraid because they realize that i am not afraid to stand up to them and say and speak my mind i say i've earned the right this country has given me the right what my ancestors have been through has given me the right as well Like I said, the First Amendment and the 13th Amendment. I don't have to be quiet for nobody. If I'm not on the clock, hey, it's all me. What I do in my free time. The government and this police department (sighs) does not control me. I'm an employee, not a slave. Do
1: you know what's funny? So just a couple of points that you brought up there. So I had a a very interesting conversation with someone. One of the things uh, I'm blessed with what I do is people will come to me um, in, in my industry or you know, just, just general people and say, Hey, you're, you're pretty good at arguments. How would you respond to this? And someone asked me, I've been behind, way behind on media because I'm dealing with some personal stuff. And there was a message about two, three weeks ago, and it was like, this guy is using TikTok on his phone. And they had a conversation with him. They found out and said, you should take TikTok off their phone. And they, there was a Joe Rogan clip. He did it. That's that's how you'll know when it was because I'm dreadful of timing. <laughs> and they sent the Joe Rogan clip to him basically, where he's like lambasting TikTok because he read their terms of service about how they have access to everything over your phone and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And he was like, but yeah i yeah i get all that but you know i because they literally have access to everything that you do even to your your strokes on your keyboard so they know your timing of how you type and stuff and different things like it's scary access of all the information they have and the response was yeah i get all of that and um, but you know i have a 20 minute commute on my on the bus or on the train every day and you know TikTok keeps me you know amused and i'm like i i just really, back i have no idea <laughs> Because that person, like, you know, gets all the tyranny, gets all the control with the CCP and the Chinese government and sees it and kind of goes, yeah, but, you know, it keeps me amused on my train drive. And you're like, the second thing is, I forgot, I should have put this in the solutions. We need to start supporting our side. And if I may use this, you as an example, there are people out there who are told to sit down and shut up and don't rock their cars. You as a police officer, you just told me this to you, you and your listeners and me, that story about how people said you shouldn't have written a book. You're a police officer. You know, you don't have a first amendment, you don't have a thirteenth amendment right. You, you know, just sit down and shut up. Play along. And you didn't. You deserve people to stand up for you and kind of go, you know what? We agree on these issues, we disagree on this. But when it comes to, you know, the idea of podcasting and speaking out and writing a book, if anyone says you don't have a right, we will link arms with you. So even if I disagree with you on every issue on that issue i'll link arms at you proudly and kind of go you have that right and we need to support people and buy people's books and buy people's podcasts and support them because the left are so well funded the right aren't and the thing is we need to yeah we need to do that and support people because you know what's going to happen if people don't get the support then they'll stop speaking out and then that's just one less voice of freedom that we have and we need all the voices like i see all these people on the right here's a conversation i have and i'm sure you've had them as well we need a leader on the right. no we don't yeah. no we don't no we got a leader it's the constitution thank you very much and if you really want to get down to well it has to be a person It can't be an idea your founding fathers would disagree but okay we've got god that's a pretty good leader or yeah. jesus
0: yes sir. we don't
1: need donald trump or the sons. would it be nice to have someone good in the white house yes Would it be great to have some good congressmen and senators? Yes. Would it be great to have more great uh, governors? Yes. But this idea that we need a leader to galvanize us? No, we're the solution. The idea of America is me, you, and everyone else, the 330 million Americans, are the solution. We don't need a leader. We need to be the voice. Because what are people saying when they say we need a leader? oh uh, you know we have problems but i just need someone else to step up and do my work and and then i can say well i supported that leader's rise to power and that was my <laughs> contribution no you need to be the voice and that's the thing and also policemen like you you talk about profession i don't know i'm sure i don't know how much you follow your profession around
0: the country oh. but you look at places like new york Brother, texas everywhere, man. California. the numbers are going down Yes, my last, uh, my second to last episode, I talked about the shortage, man, and how I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted, brother. I mean, there's no, who's going to be left to police and everybody's like, why are you still doing it? Because I'm, if not me, then who? Somebody's got to do this job. And we have clearly shown that we can't, you know, heck, people can't even take care of a dispute between themselves and their neighbor over grass clippings coming in their yard and they call the police. And then they end up killing yeah. each other over stupid stuff. Yo. So it's like somebody has to do the job, you know, and that's yeah. why I'm so vocal about everything right now, you know? And the biggest thing for me is also, man, Like I, said, I we love to get in echo chambers and I, I'm guilty of it. You know, I, cause man, nobody likes to be, nobody likes to push back. And that's been one of the things with policing in the last few years is police have always kind of had to where they could do whatever they want, need to do, get the job done. And there was no pushback. Yeah. And it was so easy because you could go, you know, enforce the law and nobody will push back. Now we got all this pushback. And now a lot of officers are like, I don't like this pushback. You know, yeah. and I'm like, that's the spirit of the American people. <laughs> and yeah. I, hey, I, I'm with it. I, I feel it. If you don't like yeah. how you're being police, you rise up and say, we don't like this, you know, yeah. but, I'm, but we're just at this point now where a lot of people are just rising up and, you know, pushing back with stuff that's not factual because nobody's yeah. done the research, you know, I mean, like, I've tried to reach across the aisle recently because like, I get echo chambers. We all do. But I reached out to a local black Satanist here that's an anarcho communist, big time here in Louisville. <laughs> literally, the, it, 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 I wanted to have a oh, local. Little- cool.
1: yeah, okay. you, know, you know, just say a sidebar. This is the problem that we have, right?
0: How <laughs> can you be just think
1: of the, one of those statements you just said? He is for anarchy and he's for communism. Yes. The, this is the problem with our world. You can only be for one of those. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. And I'll have a conversation with either. I'll have a conversation with the communists. I'll have a conversation with the anarchists. I'll have a
0: conversation with everyone between. But you can't be both. <laughs> yep. A black anarcho communist Satanist. Hey, I was like, Yo, look. That's I like said, me saying, I, I accept <laughs> Jesus as my Lord and
1: Savior, but I'm an atheist.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. And, bro, and, and he's so fascinating. And the thing is, he seems he's very intelligent well-spoken yeah, but the thing uh-huh. is he doesn't want to talk to anybody like that it's just going to give him pushback and he said i can't talk to the police period you got to talk to my lawyer because all cops are bad all <laughs> cops are that you know and i'm just and i sent this man dude i sung this man's praises i was like i've watched your videos i fought this dude for years because i'm like i really want to know his story and how he came to be who he is yeah. and, and dude he was not having it, and he put you no know, posted the email, uh, the message I sent him, and people like, oh, the, this black cop in Louisville the likes beating up his own people, and oh, they're just tearing into me. I got a message from a very angry white leftist that's saying, uh, of course, I, yeah, oh yeah, he was like, he was like, black maggots are like slugs craving salt baths, Dexter. He was like, I wish I could say it to your face, you prick. He was like, you love sucking white dick, don't you? And I'm like, I'm not bothered because I heard all that of 2020. You know, I heard that. I've heard all that, man. I've been a cop for 10 years. Ain't nothing nobody gonna say he's gonna bother me. But I was yeah. just like, man, I was really trying to have a legit conversation with somebody that I don't see eye to eye with on most things to get an understanding. And we're at yeah. this point now where nobody wants to talk anymore. Everybody's yeah. just in their corners. Everybody's in their little echo chamber. And that's all he does. He gets on yeah. and makes his TikToks and, you know, and just people come on. Yeah, hey, you tell him, Dietrich. Yeah. Hell, you both. Hell, Satan. I'm just like, man but it's a it's a train yeah. wreck i can't stop watching yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but you know the other thing is you know I, I feel you know one of the things i feel sorry for for some of the guys I, i'm i'm a very unique guy and i don't do the fighting and stuff like i i can but i just don't, I don't like blame it. you but you but, but the police like there has to be this small part you can admit you can deny this if you want there's a small party that when this guy is like you saying all that stuff you're like i dare you to say that
0: to my face because i kind of put you down so hard well that's but, the thing you know, that's the yeah. thing People can say, like, because of the First Amendment, you can say it to my face. They tried to yeah. pass this bill here in Kentucky. I
1: oh, know. I don't mean you as a policeman. I mean that you, you you know, take him down.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I'll never
1: forget. I'll never forget. I went to, just on a sidebar before, sorry, apologies for quitting. Oh, I, I remember one of the worst lunches I ever went to was a buddy of mine is a Marine. And we all, we don't get to see each other very often, maybe once every five years. And we went to New York and he had a kid. And his kid was 16. And you know when you're 16, you think you're the, you're the bomb? Oh, yeah. And he had no respect for his father. And I knew the father served. I didn't know how much he told his kid, because obviously he's 16. You know, you might have told, like, hey, I was over in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I saw some of these things, and he was a Marine and stuff and different things. I, I don't ever ask, because Marines just don't like And mar- military people, you know this better than anyone. You don't like talking about your past you know, that way, uh, the only time I've pe- military people have ever spoken to me is when, hey, I'm like, I need some advice, or I've someone has said this, can you give me some intel or different things or what was it like? But not for you, but just in general. But the kid was so disrespectful to him. At one point during the meal, the kid said to him, I could take anybody at this table and kick your ass, and I just kind of went, <laughs> I just went, oh my God, I would love your father just to pick you up by the scrawn <laughs> of your throat, throw you across the room, you and your 150-pound body and just pummel you kids, you know, because he was just annoying me at this point. But this is the thing. All these tough people, like, you know, it's it's like, you know, these people, you know, all these people who are going to be the anarchists, you know, who are going to destroy America, they've never shot a gun in their life. No. They pulled you know, them. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah and they That's haven't it. got a clue how, and they never have a clue how to hold them. It's like, you're not tough. You're weak. If there's a
0: revolution, you die. You're the first to die. You, I was just going to say that. I'm not only do you die, you're the first to go. And not just that. If it does yeah. become anarchy, guess what? Me yeah. and my friends, we're coming to yeah. your place and taking all your shit. Yeah, because you don't like that. Nah, oh, who was it the other day? Better O'Rourke when he was in uh, Texas and that guy, yeah. he was making those comments and somebody laughed at a stupid comment he made about an AR-15 and then he gets all tough. It might be funny to you, mother effort, you know, and I was like, no, this dude would not say that to that dude's face without his security detail. Like that's one thing i hate is fake tough guys dude i can't stand fake tough guys
1: but down south we're lucky because you'll appreciate it so my mother my mother's still in ireland and you followed that you know the whole ukraine situation and when they this is this is months ago when they hadn't invaded yet but they're on their border my mother was like so what's it like living in a new country i'm like it's great i love it i've always wanted to move here she's like so with the world is going into a big real state of war and i'm like yep because i talk about a lot i talk about taiwan and china i talk i've been talking about russia for years And so she's like, so what would happen if that ever happened in America? And I'm like, nothing. And I'm like, you wouldn't be afraid? No, because she was afraid. I'm like, She's like, why wouldn't you be afraid? I'm like, I live in Oklahoma. There's 300 million <laughs> guns within like a thousand square miles of me, and we know how to use them. Yeah. That's never yeah. happening on our. They're on this northern border. The New Yorkers <laughs> and the Yankees <laughs> might have a problem. <laughs> California's gonna have a big problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're well, they're lucky. They're surrounded halfway by the ocean. Yeah. But like, we're lucky. We don't like down south. We're good. We're good. We got our ARs. We got our we got our ARs, and it doesn't. Ours don't stand for assault rifle.
0: No, it means armalite. As I try to tell yeah. people, you know. Yeah. But the thing I tell people, man, I'm a big. You no, know, I love my constitution, but I tell people I'm not a big gun guy. I have yeah. my guns, but it's just you know. I, I yeah. mean, I only have two hands, and, and in yeah. the economy, I can't afford all this ammo. You know, so it's like you know, so I got to keep my options limited, man. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Oh, this has been fun, brother, but let me, so, so you wait, it took you 18 years to get to America for the opportunity. Yes. For the opportunity. Well, how did that come about? So
1: um, I, I, I knew my wife since 2015, and we've been friends, and uh, she knew my work and stuff, and we've been friends on Facebook and chat. And we met up several years ago and had dinner and in a group and stuff, and had a blast. And last year, I invested my life savings to do a speaking tour. I did uh, sixty events in eighty days in fourteen states. Whoa! And um, to go around telling your story, which was really tiring. And my Tanya made it clear she was interested in dating me and getting more. And long story short, I won't bore you with the details because no one wants to know. But on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we got married. And, you know, I'm here now and living here and living with Tanya and having a, having a great old life in Oklahoma. Um, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by trees, 360 degrees. It's brilliant. And, Sounds yeah, peaceful. It is. That's the one thing. It's really, cause I'm a country guy. So literally Tanya's got 40 acres. Um, oh, we don't nice. see it. Yeah. Of trees. That's the hard part. Um, and stuff. And we have four dogs. T- Three cats and there might be four cats very soon and uh just loving life.
0: An immigrant living wow. the American dream. I love it. I well, love when it. I can work, whenever I can work, I'll live the American dream. That part has been hard. So and I know that's hard, man. So when I was in the Border Patrol Academy, we were going over all the uh hey, what is it? Yeah. the visas and all that, dude. I, it yeah. is so complicated of a system. It, like we were having to do calculate birth dates and math and do all this stuff to figure out who could come and who couldn't go. Man, the system is so complicated. I mean, yes. I was terrified when I took that test in the academy. I was like, Yo, I don't know if I'm gonna pass this. Then you gotta, you know, there's certain people that could come here on certain visas and only stay a certain amount of time, and you gotta be yep. able to show and provide your own income. And you with it, marrying her, she's got to be able to show that she can take care of you and support you financially. She does. You, there you go. There you go. Hey, that's a good woman, man. That's a good woman. I tell people how I keep my wife is with the uh, military mm-hmm. benefits, and uh, she ain't going nowhere you know she's good with me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what's the next step for you in the process?
1: Uh get my social security number start working and then continue the journey to become an legal permanent resident. So um and the biggest thing for me is helping this country. This this country cannot fail. Um no. it, it, it really can't. It, nobody's it, coming to
0: help America, We are no, it.
1: No. But also we don't need anyone's help. We got this. Um, we just need to kind of brush yourself off. I know a lot of people are hurt and angry right now and it's totally understandable, but we need to brush ourselves off, realize who we are as a people. Um, and I know that's very arrogant of me to say because I'm not technically an American yet, but I'm here to help. I'm here to fight. And when I say fight, I mean, don't mean physically. I mean with my pen and my mouth and my words and my actions and to help make this country better. Because the way I always tell people is, is so imagine you're me. You're spending, you were born in Ireland you grew up in ireland you love and fell in love with america you spent 18 years to get here you think i'm gonna let it fall because where else am i gonna run to there is nowhere else there is nowhere else this is the last hope and bastion of freedom for man in this world now maybe in 2030 2040 2050 there might be other uprisings of freedom but this is where it's at if america falls there is nowhere else so I go down with the ship, but I don't want to go down with the ship. I want to enjoy this ride. I want to enjoy the the, the journey of being an American, of becoming an American, of being an American, of living an American, having that American passport, and serving this country. I didn't come to take from this country. I came to give to this country because you guys gave me so much. And, I, you know, I know I've you know, thank you for all your service, but the reason I love your military is because – You may like what I say or dislike what I say, but this is a fact. The reason I'm here saying this and the reason I'm speaking the way I am is because of the American military. Because without the American military, I would have been under Nazi rule, speaking German, and probably would have never had the internet to find out what the American idea was. That is why I love this country so much. I didn't come to take. I'm coming to repay a debt for my debt, but also for millions of people in Europe. Because that stars and stripes that hangs behind you That's a beautiful flag. It needs to be responded to. It needs to be respected. That is not a flag of oppression. That's a flag of liberation. That is not a flag of evil races. That is the flag of hope and an opportunity. We need to get back to that. Is it perfect? Nope. There's 50 stars in it. Like we could knock
0: a few off. <laughs> start with California.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll start with New York, baby.
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's so crazy, man. I tell people all the time from my time on the border, America is the only place in the world that people are risking life and limb to get here. They mm-hmm. are coming here in droves because yeah. they see something special here. And like yeah. I say, we're just sitting here in this great country. Yeah. And just letting it all go to waste and try to get rid of it. Like they, and people yeah. don't, and, and it drives me crazy. And I'm just like, man, y'all have no clue what you're asking for. And like I yeah. said, people, we don't know our history and people damn sure don't know world history. And like, yeah. say, I'm not a history buff, but I know that what people are trying to usher in has not worked and is not going to work here.
1: Yes. But the part of the problem that is, and I hate pa- passing blanket, you know, uh, accusations against people. The reason a lot of people don't know history is because it's taught dreadfully. You know, in, especially in, in school. School is the worst because it's only ever taught to a test. You know, well, you know, the Battle of Hastings, you know, was this battle and this battle and happened in 1066 and this person and this person and da-da-da. It's boring. I hated history in school. We need to get to the point, and especially in American history. That's why I do what I do. There are so many stories within your history, and that is what we need to get to because I firmly believe it is the greatest story man ever came together and to write. And if we can get to a point where we tell it with passion, with inspiration that we kind of go okay wow this is my story not kind of like just beating your chest because you're an american but just kind of go you know what we really did a lot as a country you know what we need to start living up to our forefathers we need to start continuing on their example i believe when you tell that story you'll feel a lot more passion you'll feel a lot more pride towards america am i saying you'll think america is the greatest country and you did everything perfect no because as I talk about your bad days as well, and we can do that, but it's just a case of getting to a point where we get that patriotism back and what we did wrong, we ensure and work to ensure we never
0: do them again in the future. Man, you know, we've lost our curiosity. And that is how I became, I self-educated with history. Because in school, you know, I remember you know learning about slavery and all the stuff about black Americans and it was all surface stuff. But I was curious. I was like, and I remember somebody saying, you know, the democrats are the the party of the kkk i was like what that's not true i was never taught that and i just remember started researching cracking open books and i had that curiosity and then i just started going down that rabbit hole and i was like my god you yeah. know this is why was i never taught this because they like say we're we're just surface people here right now man and we like that we've lost that curiosity and if you don't know your history somebody can rewrite it and tell you everything that they want it to be just like in mm-hmm. you know, george orwell's 1984 my yeah. god man I, I read that book uh last year i was yeah. and it's just so weird seeing all this stuff in this book and i'm like this is happening right now we're changing language we're changing dialogue we're changing yeah. you know we're changing the english language from that's not a she that's a they i'm like that no they is plural that is, she is sick that we are not doing that <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the, women with their
1: seven inch penises seven <laughs> All that girth. Ah, <laughs> oh, you—you need to stop making it worse.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. man, bro, this has been awesome. Before we go, man, uh, you'll, I got—you'll appreciate I... this. Sorry, you'll appreciate no, this. My ahead. wife
1: has a saying. You'll love this. If she's got an apple, she's got a banana.
0: <laughs> I like it. There you go. <laughs> Yeah little jiggle in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> a big old lump. You got an apple. If she's got an apple, she's got a banana. That, that's my wife. But hey, but how do they identify is the question. I know, right? Yeah. How does it's a piece of fruits? How do they how do they identify? But hey, man, the so last thing. So yeah. with you being on the blaze, man, how did you find your way from Ireland to being on the freaking blaze, man? That is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, so I actually, you, sp- you speak about people not being curious and not like questioning and stuff. So I was a, ba- a fan of Glenn Beck for a while um, and uh, he had a show and he had left the- he had left Fox and he started up GBTV, and then, which would later become The Blaze. And I actually rang him up one week and uh, I used to always listen to his radio show. When I was living in Ireland, I, I can only get certain shows and certain things. So uh, I was listening to a show and I could buy his subscription, so I'd listen to it. And uh, he was using a term every week that I felt he shouldn't be using. Um, I, it just goes against everything that we've just spoken about. The idea of America was the middle class. So I ring him up and I was getting angry and I was like, "You need to stop <laughs> using this word, this man, seriously." And I was just angry. And Glenn doesn't take a lot of calls, so it was kind of like divinely inspired. Doesn't take many calls, so I'm like, "I'm just gonna ring him up and just, you know, voice my frustration." Probably never get through. And if I do, if the person calls screen it does answer, I'm never getting on the air. So I'm just gonna do it. I gotta try doing something. So anyway, I, uh, rang the first time, call answers. Yeah, this is a Glenn Beck program. I'm like, this is. Uh, I want to speak to Glenn. What about? He's using a term he should not use. He should know better. What term? Middle class. Okay, where are you from? It's John from Ireland. Ireland? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, actually the country. (laughs) Oh, are you living here now? No, I'm in Ireland. I'm calling from Ireland. And he's like, hold on. So I'm like, okay, because I've phoned into radio shows before. You get hold, and then like you, the show goes, and you just listen to the show on the phone and stuff, and it's cool. Uh, and then without any look, so it goes through an ad break and stuff, and obviously someone tells them or something or however it goes. And then literally I don't get any warning and uh, come back on. I've got John from Ireland on the phone here. He wants to correct me and tell me I'm using terms I shouldn't use. What's the problem, John? So I told him, like, <laughs> well, hey, big fan of your work, but by the way, you need to stop using this term. Anyway, I spent 20 minutes talking with him about middle class and about the, the, the idea of America and the dream of America and what it meant to me. And he was just impressed. And he was like, wow, I'm really impressed with you. I need to hold on. And, you know, my, my call screener wants to get some details off you. Um, long story short, he took my phone number and my email address and then the communication happened. And I, I tried a few things with one of their people who's now a dear friend of mine. And basically a couple of months later, I started a show. And I've been
0: there ever since and they ain't fired me (laughs) they better not bro they need bro they need somebody like you i mean they got a lot of good people over there too yeah i always spectacular
1: i tease them i feel i always tease glenn whenever i see him i'm like i'm i feel a quota for you right i'm like you know you have the you have the jew you have the muslim you have the (laughs) irish person (laughs) yeah
0: If you fire you know, me, that so, means you hate immigrants. <laughs> yeah, clearly.
1: Yeah. So yeah, no, it's but it's a lot of fun, you know. The blaze has changed a lot since I started working there, you know. So there's a lot more hosts, there's a lot more diversity. You know, it's 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 good because you know what's funny is there are people who you know hate our side of the aisle, quote unquote, and kind of go, You guys are so one-dimensional, and you just you know, you have no difference of opinion, and that's your problem. I kind of go, Look at where I work. The Blaze, you take all of the hosts in the blaze. All the podcast hosts, and you put us in the one room. We're not going to agree on everything. We're going to have some major disagreements. I know because I've had some of the major disagreements. So, like, you know, this, I've no diversity of thought on the right. Just look at the company I work at. Then add somewhere like the Daily Wire. There's more diverse thought, more disagreement. Then add, like, podcasters like yourself and other people who do podcasts and stuff and add all them to the room. You're not, there is so much diversity of thought. We have disagreements over taxes, over the constitution, over government, over Republicans, over climate change, over nuclear energy. We have disagreements on everything. It's just we don't get our knickers in a twist when we someone dares to express, "Well, I think John's wrong on that." Okay, cool. How am I wrong? Talk to me about it, and then
0: we have a back and forth. We need to get back to that point, man. I, yeah, I man, with you with you being here, I think we're we're on track, man. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. So, I mean, what's next for you with the Blaze? In any, in um,
1: yeah well i've been taking a bit of sabbatical i've some had some personal problems so i'm going to be back in september you know new season and uh going to talk about a lot of issues i'll be talking about the great Reset, but I, one of the things i want to do is tell, share more stories and get out there doing more public speaking and just to, to inspire your people and to get you motivated and to try and offer solutions to how we can fix things so i i think i think the future is bright if we act if we don't and we just give up we're dead so, you know, if those are your two choices, let's get out there and act and let's start let's start changing the course. They've had their turn. They sucked. They blew us now, because they always said they they had the vision for America. Well, they had their opportunity and America is America better or worse in the last two years. I don't know many people who would say it's better. I think it's a uh, lot
0: worse. Yeah, definitely, man. So, so before b- before you leave. Yes, sir. Was uh David Harris, wasn't he on the Blaze? The sheriff?
1: Uh, yes, he said
0: david clark no david, no, david clark. clark yeah excuse me david yeah, yeah. clark man phenomenal yeah. guy phenomenal book and i used to listen to his podcast and all of a sudden yeah it just stopped i was like hold up man you can't just yeah come with all this good content and just disappear yeah man what happened with him on there
1: no idea just, you see the thing about it is podcasters aren't like i'm i can't speak for anyone else's terms i'm not paid so I, i'm a volunteer for the blaze um, I just get the platform and stuff to do what I do. And there's not many podcasters on their division. So some people, I don't know what Sheriff Clarksdale was, but if he, it was like done for as a volunteer, he's busy. He's got other things. He's on Fox News. So you might have went, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just going to do other places. So, But also, if you look around at the industry, it, you don't generally stay that long. Like if you look at the people, which is frightening from the Blazers point of view, but if you look at the amount of people of the longest serving employees, technically, I'm near the top. Because podcasters come and go and people come and go and hosts come and go. You know, like people like Dana Lash used to be there and the late great Doc Thompson used to be there. He went and set up his own company. You know, people move around. You know, people okay. go to Fox, go to
0: Newsmark, go to the place, you know. So it's it is just the industry, man. I'm telling you, brother, I tell, I tell people all the time, I'm not, I'm definitely not paid. This is a hobby. People know mm-hmm. I wrote my book and everybody thinks you know I've been I've been on a couple podcasts like Black Rifle and Drinking Bros make yeah. that money I'm like bro book money is not a lot of money trust no. me <laughs> no not unless you're Hillary close. Clinton yeah. yeah 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 or Barack Obama you know you suck man yeah they, yeah yeah but yeah man I, it's just you know I tell people it's it takes a lot of work like I started this oh. two years ago maybe like a year and a half. And I tell, awesome. it's a hobby but it takes so much time and so much research and i tell people i don't have a lot of time and i'm not able to always do a lot of research so yeah. you know i have to be careful what i say and i say if i say something wrong i don't mind somebody coming back and correcting me you yeah. know my wife's been correcting me for 10 years and i don't get it you know i don't get my feelings about it you know so you know yeah. it's just it's, it's, it's a tough industry and it you know, is. i do i do my own editing i, I put up my own episodes and I am not a very tech savvy guy, but it's just, you know, I, I want I got a voice. Out. I want to get my voice out. And I told, yep. him, I said on my podcast the other day, there's two ind- industries that are super saturated right now. Podcasts and energy drinks, man. Every yeah. time you go to a store, there's a brand new energy drink. I can't even keep up with them. And every time yeah. I turn around, somebody's got a new podcast, but not yep. all podcasts are created equal, you know? No. And I was like, and the thing is, so anybody that listens to mine, I average about 300 downloads an episode. And I, that's no, great. I was, it is good. And you no, know, my buddy, Brian Parrish, that's great. Me up with you. he told me, I was like, kind of down. I was like, man, I'm not really making traction. He was like, you do realize if you were in a room full of 300 people, it would be overwhelming. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's never thought about it like that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, like I, say, I love what I do, man. I love getting to talk to people like you I love having my own voice. And my opinion out there, like I say, I'm just one of millions of people, man. And just being able to sit and talk with somebody like you, man, truly appreciate it. This I appreciate awesome. you. I'm thinking about to go run five miles real quick, man. You got me amped up and ready to go yell freedom with the American you're flag. Welcome. As a... <laughs> man, brother, I cannot thank you enough. So uh, where can people find you on social media and in uh, your show and your books and uh, you're speaking?
1: Sure. So if you go to, if you look up Freedom's Disciple, um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Um, there's a website being redesigned at the minute. It's out of day, freedomsdisciple.com. Um, if you go to any p- uh, podcast uh, platform like Apple or Spotify, look up Freedom's Disciple. You'll find me. If you can't do that, go to theblaze.com. Up the top, it has podcasts. Scroll down, you'll see an American flag with Jonathan Dunn. That's Freedom's Disciple. You'll find all the links in there. So I'm not very hard to find. So, you know, someone as big and beautiful as I am, I'm ve- I, 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 I stand
0: out very easy. So, my man, I truly appreciate, appreciate, I appreciate you coming you. on my show, man. I Jonathan, appreciate you. Hey, you have a good one, brother. All right. I will you see too. you around, brother.